All right, it is a water bottle Sunday. I am dying of thirst up here. I don't know what's going on, but I'm ready to go. I've got my bottle up here. It will flash. Don't be freaked out by it. It tells me when I'm supposed to drink more water. I won't tell you all about it right now. So today is a very important message. I believe that is one of the cornerstone messages of our faith. It's one of the things that Jesus talked about. It's a central message to why he came to earth, why he died, why he gave up his life for us. And that is about forgiveness. And Jesus wants to work through us through forgiveness. I hate to have you guys sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. But today I want to ask you right now, if you're able to stand up with me, and when we're going to continue on, Anna and I didn't talk about this, but I'm going to have you put your hands out again and as a receptive uh, method. It's a physical representation of what our hearts need to look like today. Put your hands out and just, just open up your mind to God and allow him to speak to you in this moment. I'm going to pray for you. God, I ask that in this place today that our hearts, even as I'm preaching today, that my heart would be receptive to what it is that you're wanting to do in my heart. I know that there's people that I have not forgiven. I know that there are situations I have not forgiven yet, and I keep them in the back of my mind. I've pushed them behind things, and I ask that you would bring those to light so that I can find more freedom in my relationship with you. And I ask that each person in here would be open to that today, that we would be open to whatever it is that you're wanting to do, Lord. And I ask that you would start this journey with us, Lord, and help us to be forgiven and to forgive in your name. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Um, I, the thing about forgiveness is it can turn into a very philosophical message, and, and it's kind of vague sometimes. I want to bring some serious clarity to this and bring some practicality to it. I believe that we need practical explanation on how to forgive and how to continually forgive. Because if you've forgiven someone for something extreme in your life before, you know that that continually comes back up in your mind. Because it is difficult. The Bible says seven times 77. That's how many times we should forgive. And we have to continually forgive people for the same things over and over again because it continually comes back up in our mind. And, and the enemy wants to bring that back up and put division between between you and other people. God wants you to experience forgiveness to the max in your life, and he wants you to receive forgiveness from him, but also give it out to other people. So this is going to be a practical message. So what is forgiveness? That's the first thing. Forgiveness is releasing the personal right to pay back the one who has hurt me and absorbing the pain with God's help. The process of forgiving someone can be laced with deep and powerful emotions. If you can think of a moment that you're trying to forgive or you have forgiven in the past, that lines up exactly with what you know. And it is incredibly difficult in our life. The memory of the wound and the offender has the ability to um, influence our behavior. So the behavior that we have can be influenced by whatever it is that we have not forgiven in our life, or if we have forgiven, then it will change our behavior also. So one of the hopes in the journey of forgiveness is to move away from anger. Anger happens when we don't forgive, and hatred to love and compassion. And if you haven't forgiven for whatever it is that's happened in your life, you're like, there is no way that I could get to love and compassion. Well, I want to walk you through a couple things today and really walk you through on how we can experience forgiveness in our life. And it's so important. 
I'm, I only have one Bible verse today, so if you want to write it down, it's Matthew 6, 9 through 12. And, you, and if you've been in church for 15 minutes, you probably know this verse. It says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And verse 12 is where I want you to focus in on. And forgive us our sins, so us from God, as we have forgiven those who, are, who have sinned against us. So it's saying we have to forgive the same way that God is going to forgive us. There is forgiveness in our relationship with Jesus. This is the, the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion, is that we can be forgiven by Jesus. It's real. Forgiveness is freely available at all times. No matter what you've done, you can have forgiveness. You can have forgiveness for whatever it is that you've done, and you're like, no way. There's just no way. Like, that thing that I did can never be forgiven. It can. Jesus says he gives it away for free. He's also saying that we need to give forgiveness freely. So it's tied to one another. We need forgiveness daily the same way that we need oxygen daily. God wants to give you you freedom through forgiveness, but he also wants you to receive and give forgiveness at all times. It's like breathing oxygen. We inhale the benefits of forgiveness, and then we exhale forgiveness to other people. It has to work both ways for it to work right. We have to continually give and receive forgiveness for it to work the way that the Bible talks about it. I'm going to pray again. Jesus, be with us here as we're we're receiving your word. I ask that you would help us to receive this message that you have for us, God, about forgiveness. And I ask that you would speak to our hearts today, that we would be able to... pull out things that we, we have not been able to before and that we would be open to whatever it is your spirit is wanting to do inside of us. I want to read this, this uh, quote. It'll be on the screen by Gregory Jones, and I don't know how to pronounce the name, Celestin Massacura. That's a pretty cool name. In the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he emphasized the daily practice of forgiveness as a way of maintaining and sustaining relationships. So this is church. We have to continually have relationships. If you've noticed, when people don't forgive each other, that's when, when things happen bad and we, we start to separate and things don't go well. But this is what it's saying. Just like food, forgiveness sustains our lives in community. Just like we cannot live without daily bread, we cannot fully live our life in communion with each other and God without the ability to grant and receive Forgiveness. Forgiveness is part of life. And I can tell you, and I can tell you this story because my mom allows me. I, I had some serious issues with my mom growing up. She, she didn't really take care of us very well. She didn't do a great job. Uh, I, I, I came to a day when I, when I was 20, like 20 years old, and I was <clears throat> interning at a church in Montana, and I'm driving down the road, like through the middle of the state of Montana. There's like nothing in the middle of Montana. It's beautiful, but there's nothing there. Um, and I called her, and I, I finally came to a point where I wanted to forgive her. Now, why did I do this? I went through my entire teenage years and halfway through college holding a grudge against her, and everything I did to try to achieve and do better in school and do things was so that I could be better than her. 
And that did nothing to her, but it destroyed me. I lived on adrenaline. I was trying to do things and outside of my relationship with Christ. I was trying to do things that were not right. I was doing it for the wrong reasons, and I wasn't living a healthy life. But I came to this solution, and I was talking with another pastor, and I needed to come to the solution that I needed to forgive her. Now, I will tell you that it doesn't always play out right. I did call her. I, for, I told her I forgave her. And that did not go very well in that moment. Since then, things have gone better, but you don't always have to tell the person that you've forgiven them. She kind of blew up on me, and it was a whole thing. We can talk about how to do that a little bit better in, in situations where you know someone won't receive it. But that moment set me free. It wasn't like instantly, but since then, I've continually found healthier ways to live and to think and to not have to worry about trying to measure up to something else. It's more about my relationship with Christ and what he wants to do through me rather than what I was trying to do to be better than someone else, which was just a messed up way to think. And, and a lot of us have been there. But this is something that God asks us to do. And, and I could easily get up here and say, well, I just want you to do your best, and if you can't do it, that's okay. I'm, I'm here to tell you that God requires this of us. He requires it of us to find health in our life and to be in intimate relationship with him. We have to be able to forgive. Now, don't take this so far to say that I'm telling you that you have to condone the actions of whoever did something to you. You may not be able to be in a functioning relationship with that person again, but that's different from forgiving someone for what they did, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So hear me when I say that. Forgiveness is not condoning the action, okay? So in Christianity, we have to do this. It is a requirement to be in a fruitful relationship with God. If we are holding forgiveness from someone else, forgiveness is being withheld from us. Does that make sense? It's clear. A heart that is not open to freely give forgiveness to others will also be closed off from receiving God's forgiveness. If we don't give forgiveness, we will probably be too prideful to receive forgiveness from God. And he wants to do something in us through forgiveness. So question of the day, what if I'm really struggling to forgive? This is like it right here. If I'm struggling to forgive, what do I do? How do I do this? And this is why I want to make it practical today. This isn't going to be a fully exhaustive research like tons of Bible scriptures going at you. It is going to be practical on how to forgive. Some of the things that I did even when I was forgiving some big things in my life. And I continually have to forgive that my mom for the same things over and over again because it keeps coming up. And I still have to forgive other people. It's continually all the time we have to do this. We have to continue this. Um, what we do when we have these feelings for other people, it, it, and that's going to make us that's what we're going to talk about today, when we have the feelings of unforgiveness towards other people. So we have to ask ourselves, do I really appreciate and understand the forgiveness that God is giving me? That's the first question we have to ask. Do I understand that? Have I received that? Have I allowed God to forgive me? So I want to talk about a, this clinical psychologist. He is a 
committed believer of Christ. He's committed to Jesus and the Bible, but he's also committed to helping people find forgiveness and continually live out forgiveness in their life. And this is a great marriage between the two because he can help you understand this. And I love his name too. His name is Dr. Everett Worthington. If you don't know, my first name is Everett, so this is just a great name. I love this. He has, uh, he's someone who's dedicated his entire life to this subject, to Christ, to the scriptures, and to uh, psychology. We need to understand as humans first that we have emotions. We talk about this quite a bit because I believe that a lot of us who may have been raised in churches, uh, we were told to push down our emotions and to never pay attention to them. And to a degree, we aren't supposed to let them lead us, but we are supposed to allow ourselves to feel them. And we have to realize that. Jesus had emotions when he was here on earth. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He cried. He had emotions. He laughed. He wasn't just like this boring figure like, like, a, like a zombie. He, he was a human being. He experienced the same. I don't know why Like I went straight-legged. I don't think zombies do that. Uh, it depends on what zombies we're talking about, but I'm not going to go into that. Jesus had emotions. The World War Z zombies are the scariest, by the way. If you've seen that one, it's like they can run and stuff. Super scary. I want you to understand that your emotions are something that you need to allow yourself to feel. Now, we don't want to stay in that spot of whatever it is, but we have to allow ourselves to feel them. And sometimes the forgiveness the anger we feel towards other people, we've pushed down so far that we've just forgotten about it. Now, uh, pe people say this a lot, the whole forgive and forget. You're not going to forget. But if we do try to forget, then we're going to push it down and we're never going to think about it. But what God is asking us to do is to, to actually bring it into light. And that's one of the points today in a minute. I do want to share with you one thing that we are going to be doing in relationships this semester as a small group. We're starting on Wednesday night a, a course called the Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We have, I think, 21 people going through it starting on Wednesday night. It's going to be awesome, but we are going to be working on things like this. We are going to be working on uh, talking with each other and being in relationship with each other and communicating with each other. And it's great for marriages, it's great for friendships, but it's amazing for churches to be able to be in relationship with each other and have communication with each other and to forgive one another. And it's, it's going to be awesome. So again, you can join us uh, starting on Wednesday night at 6.30. That's not a plug, but be there. Um, again, we have to be aware of our emotions, and it's extremely important to, the li to living a life of forgiveness. We have to be aware of what we're feeling. One of the things we work with our son on a lot, and we used to do it more often at the dinner table, is what's one emotion you felt today? And then tell, tell us like, uh, how you felt about that and that kind of thing. And so, but we have to be able to name our emotions and really figure out where we're at so that we can give that to God. Uh, if we're just blind on how we're feeling, then we're going to be blind on what we're supposed to do next. So I want to talk about... Um, the first point today, there's an acronym called REACH. If you're taking notes today, you can write down REACH. The first part of that is, number one, recall the hurt. This is where it gets practical. Recall the hurt. So it's important that we recall what it is that happened to us so that we can then work through it. 
if we don't recall what happened, then we are not going to work through it. This quote here by Lewis B. Smeads, which the greatest names ever today are coming up. Like, Smeads is awesome. I'm probably going to change our last name to Smeads, just so you know. We eye the evil face We eye the evil face to face and we call it what it is. Only realists can be forgivers. We usually try to forget and to push it down, don't we? Like that is what our culture teaches us to do, but that is not what the Bible teaches us to do. We have to work through these things. God actually asks us to do something more difficult than pushing things down. He asks us to work through it. He asks us to have conversations that are extremely uncomfortable with people sometimes, right? That's what he asks us to do. There's going to be tension in relationships, but we have to have understanding with each other. There will be emotions, One of the things that I've done, not as consistent as I would like, but it's a practice that a lot of people do, is when we've got a lot on our mind, is to write it out. Journaling. Maybe you like the word diary. I'm not a big fan of that word because it just sounds weird to me, but write it down. Type it out. Write it in a note on your phone. When we can get those thoughts out of our head and put them somewhere else, it takes them out of your brain so that you don't have that just circling in your mind where you're ruminating and just chewing on it and constantly thinking about it. But when you can put the thoughts down, you can get it away, get it out of there. Those who practice journaling actually have, a better, have better health and a, live a longer life because we're not just constantly ruminating and have tension and anxiety and all that going on. We're able to get that out. There are two ways that we can find healing from some of the, when we recall this, um, the hurt that we have in our, our life. There's two ways I want to focus on right now. There's healing prayer. I want to invite you today after the service to join us in prayer, and you can experience healing prayer. God wants to heal you for the emotional things that you've gone through, the things that you've been hurt by. God wants to do that. Um, God does miraculous healings often. Does he do it every single time we ask him to do something? No. It's one of the most difficult conversations that I have as a pastor. It's one of the most constant conversations I have. God doesn't just do everything we ask him to do. But he continually does something through us, and we have to be looking at what he is trying to do through us and with us. The other one, and this one may not be super popular right now, but talking with a therapist, talking with a counselor, someone who is trained in talking through things with other people. That's basically what they do. They talk through it with you. You're able to just... It's like that journaling method. You're just talking, and they're listening, and then they help you walk through the things that you're thinking and talking about. It's, that's basically what it is. And so when we do that in our life, or you could have a friend or a pastor or someone like that to talk to about it, but it's, it's kind of a little bit easier when you have a therapist because they're like, they're not going to tell anyone else. You know that. You pay them or you have insurance, and that's just like the agreement. It's very much easy, and you take care of it. You just blah, 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 and then they listen, and they talk, and they ask questions. They ask a lot of questions. That's a lot of what they do. So those are a couple of different options that you can do. Yes, continually go for prayer. Yes, continually find people to talk to, and that is how we find freedom from this. The second one is develop empathy. 
this one is going to rock a lot of people. You're telling me to have empathy for the person who has hurt me? Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that God has, has, loves every single person and that he has a way for every single person to come into relationship with him? Yes, he, he, there is a way. We have to develop empathy. We have to put ourselves in the other person's chair. We have to, and I want to share this method with you, actually. This is something I did when I was in college. And I, I ask you, don't do this in, in uh, like a restaurant because you will look weird, okay? So you'll have a chair. You'll sit a chair across from you. And you, yourself, need to talk to whoever it is that has hurt you. They won't be there. Okay, that's the point of the chair. They're just, they're not there. You talk to them and tell them how you feel, like, like all out. Just, you really don't want to do this in public. It's, it's very weird. And then, once you're done, you sit in the other person's chair, and you talk back to yourself, telling yourself what you think they would say to what you said. And it's difficult. It's very, and, but once you get in that other chair, you're going to realize, oh my goodness, they're human too. Now, depending on the scale of like what happened and that kind of thing, this could be extremely, extremely difficult. I don't dumb that down at all. Um, but what we can do in that scenario is really see the humanity in the person who is sitting in the other chair. And then what you do is you get back up and you go back in your chair and respond to that person again. This is an exercise that you can experience a lot of freedom from. We did this in a, actually in a, um, in a class in college, in Bible college. And I, I had, it blew my mind how much it just changed in me in that moment when I did that. And I believe that something practical like this can be life-changing and you can do this by yourself. Or if you want, you can have a friend or a pastor or a spouse. Some people do it a little bit better with just by themselves. Some people would need some help. But I'm telling you, if you do that, you will see a change in your life. Um, I can tell you the story of how this all started. It was a 30-year-old, uh, which is a really, really young person, by the way. It's coming from someone who will be 35 in a couple months. His mother committed uh, suicide when he was 10 years old, and his dad was basically um, emotionally unavailable after that. And he had extreme hate for his dad. And you can put yourself in both of the people's shoes and understand what's going on there. So the psychologist developed this chair method. He had, had him sit in the chair, tell your dad how you feel about how he was growing up and then sat in his dad's chair to respond how he thinks he would have responded. And then he sits back in his chair to say, I had no idea. I was only 10 years old and didn't realize how hard that was on you. Many of us can see that scenario and understand both sides. But we, once we actually sit down in the chairs and actually do the exercise, we can actually experience some of that freedom that God is wanting to do in our life. Our first response is to focus on the negative parts of people that are hurting us. And then we want to automatically point out all of the great things that we're doing. It's kind of just how it works. Once someone does something bad to you, you're like, they're the worst person that ever lived, and then I'm the greatest person who ever lived. It's kind of the trend. That's kind of how it works. 
they're all innocent, or they're all bad, and I'm all good. Now, again, I want, you to, want to remind you, I'm not saying to excuse the behaviors that have happened to you. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this awesome quote. It says, there is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. It is the truth. Now, another option to the chair method, if you uh, just really feel uncomfortable with that, is to write a letter from the point of view of the person who hurt you. Write a letter of forgiveness to yourself from the person who hurt you. And that could be a lot easier for you to just write that out. And you could write back and forth if, you, if you'd like. And then the third one is a self, selfless gift. I said it was reach, but I changed the word to selfless so that it's not reach anymore. Um, <laughs> I ruined it. I did, it used altruistic, and I'm just, that word is kind of weird to me, so I didn't really love it, just to be honest. Um, we have to give forgiveness as an unselfish, altruistic gift. We have to give it as an unselfish gift to the person who has hurt us. This is a really difficult conversation, isn't it? It's heavy. Because I, I can see, and I've talked with many of you about things that are going on in your life, and I can feel that weight. And I feel the weight of it in my life, but I'm telling you, this is where my boldness has to come out, because I could be empathetic, say, oh, just, you're good, like, just do your best, just, you know, just twiddle around with it. But I need to tell you, like, for you to experience the freedom that you want in your life and you need in your life, you have to find the forgiveness that God is giving to you for the person who has hurt you. It's just the way it is. That is like the most basic thing I could say is God wants to work through you and he needs you to forgive them. We think that we're holding that person captive, but we're actually holding ourselves captive. I saw, I posted something on social media this week. We... It, hating someone is like burning your house down so that you can kill a rat. It, it's just, it doesn't make sense. We cannot hold that hate in because it is killing you. It is destroying you inside. The studies say that we experience lasting change when we give forgiveness like it is a gift for the other person. When you think of it as a gift to that person, you will experience lasting forgiveness. Number four is commit publicly to forgive. I lost most of you on that one. You're like, nope. Once you've forgiven, write a note to yourself, something as simple as, today I forgave blank for hurting me. And this is what I want to do later. I'm not asking you to come up here and, you know, blast it out to everybody, but I'd love for after the service today, when we're worshiping, for you to write down your forgiveness on the cross card and post it on the cross and say, this is it. I'm standing right here right now, and I'm done with this. I am no longer going to allow my life to be lived in this way because I want to forgive as he is forgiving me. I want to give away this freedom. I want to give this and just set this person free so that I can be set free. He wants to do something powerful in you and through you, and this is a way to do it. This is a step in that direction. 
This helps you have your forgiveness last. And number five is hold on to forgiveness. We write notes of commitment because we will almost surely be tempted to doubt that we really forgave. Now, some of you may want to keep your note. You write it down twice or whatever, but keep that with you. Maybe keep it in your pocket for months. Remind yourself, I have forgiven that person because I'm telling you, you will have a moment right now. Many of you are going to be like, I'm, I'm in. You can come up. I'm in. And you're like, I'm ready to go, but tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're like, oh, man, that was a bad decision. Like, I am not forgiving that person. I'm ticked off. You're going to have the enemy come after you. You're going to have trailing thoughts. You're going to have things go through your mind that you thought, man, I shouldn't have done that. That is not the right thing to do. But I'm telling you, if you can keep it on you to remind yourself what it is God is trying to do, your forgiveness has to be reminded. You have to hold on to it. Hold on to it tight because you're going to be tempted to continue to hold that person hostage and really hold yourself hostage. I'm telling you, there are medical things that are happening inside of you. There are health problems that are happening inside of you because of this. There are things that are happening in your mind, in your heart, in your body because holding on to unforgiveness is keeping you from the life that God wants for you. But if we can hold on to forgiveness and to give him everything, if we can release that, we can find all kinds of great things in our life that God is wanting to do in our life. Would you guys stand up with me? Again, would you just put your hands out again? We'll just keep doing this. God, I thank you that you are about to release forgiveness in my life. And I ask that you would be the center of it all, that I would continue to be able to forgive those who have hurt me. I give it all to you right now, Lord. You are so wonderful. You are so perfect. You have forgiven me for all of the things that I've done, some things no one knows about. And I ask that you would help me to forgive those who have hurt me that you would help me to empathize over those who have hurt me, that you would help me to realize that those are human beings that are loved by you, just like you love me. And I ask that you would help me to give this gift today, to give this gift to you and to give this gift to those who have hurt me, Lord. We're gonna go back into worship right now with a couple of songs, maybe more if, if you still worship. Um, but I want to invite you this during this time uh, to just get out of your seat and go up to the cross. We've got some, some papers over there as a symbol of your gift to that person to write that down and just put it on the cross and say, I'm done with it. You can have a moment, take a moment there, experience that, come for prayer, whatever you need to do. This is your moment. Allow him to work through you in this moment, let's worship. You know, the Bible says when we take communion, we're to search first. Is there anyone we're holding unforgiveness against? And release that first so we don't drink judgment upon ourselves, it says. So we also want to take communion as a body together as we're doing this, but we want you to take first this opportunity to make the public stand of going and giving this gift of forgiveness. It's a gift to yourself, too. And then take communion together as we worship together.
felt there was still something between you and God somehow. There was still something that was a disconnect. We're about ready to go into another worship song here. I want us to all stay in worship together, participate in communion, but ask God, ask yourself, where am I in relation to God right now? Where am I? The first time I asked myself this question, I didn't know for the longest time. And all of a sudden it hit me. I was hiding like Adam and Eve in the garden. I was hiding. Just ask yourself, where am I in relation to God? Because he wants to meet us here. And if there's something we need to uproot from our lives and we need to nail it to the cross and we need to lay it at his feet so that we can truly enter into worship and intimacy and communion with him. Let's take some time to do that.
thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for your goodness to us, for your grace to us, for your forgiveness we've received.